ring, 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 bing, 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 bam, ba. So, uh, this is the fish tank. I am Captain Rehab, uh, the appointed uh, skipper of today's voyage. And I'm joined by Camille Henri, uh, producer extraordinaire based in, well, based in Aberdeen right now, but originally from Vancouver. Am I right? Yes. Awesome. So, if you just wanted to quickly introduce yourself and the, the, product, the projects you're involved in, and I guess how you describe the kind of the kind of sounds you make. Sure. Yeah, I guess I started off. Uh, I'm from Vancouver originally, from Canada, and uh, I discovered producing, uh, music producing, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, but I've always been a creative person, so uh, as I've discovered that, I've just kind of found my way uh, dabbling in in a bit of everything and just taking it more and more seriously. And uh, so as of now, I've now released. Uh, two instrumental solo albums, one with vocals. I've released an album as a duo with um, with Ree uh, as Men Friends. And I've released uh, another album just recently uh, as another duo uh, called Onoemi with the producer Legless Lizard. So, um, yeah, I like to direct music videos. I like to do art, drawing, design. Um, and uh, yeah, and then and then I like to uh, take care of uh, the artist collective that I've founded recently, uh, called the Human Beehive. So I like to dabble in a little bit of everything. Very very busy. <laughs> well, let's talk about the most recent album with uh, Onoami. It's, it's kind of it's like it's glitchy. It's kind of um, there's some, like some trap moments in there. How 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 would you describe it? It was an interesting process because it's. Um, Originally, so I, I met uh, Legless Lizard, so his name is Connor. I, I met him when I first moved to Bristol. Um, we worked together. So uh, the basis of it is that we, we became very good friends very quickly. And it just so happened that we both uh, we both connected over our shared love of, uh, of listening and making music. Um, so it was a very natural process for us, seeing as we were just hanging out anyways. And... Um, it just kind of came together that we would make we he would show me um, his workflow and I'd show him mine, and it just kind of happened that we uh, we made our first song, which was self-titled, called Ono Ami. Um, so that was on one of my EPs, uh, Hollow EP, and then um, that had a great great reception and people seemed to really connect to it, and we had a lot of fun making it. So we figured let's uh, let's go ahead and do a whole album together. It just kind of came naturally over the process of maybe, maybe let's say like a year and a half or so, maybe almost two years, um, where we just kind of made little bits and pieces here and there when I was over in Bristol. As time went on and I, I, I moved to, to France, we never stopped uh, contacting each other. We kept in contact and we just, we would send each other bits and pieces and uh, different versions of the songs. And sonically it takes sort of quite a... Quite a bit of a journey through, like, quite a lot of different sounds, and there's some really sort of experimental moments and some, uh, like, often abandoning sort of traditional ideas of melody and harmony for some uh, often kind of like chaotic and dissonance. So I'm wondering what what were your sort of influences on uh, on making this? It's funny because we we to this day we still discuss this him and I because we're 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 still kind of unsure ourselves as to like what even what genres these are like we both listen to a lot of different music we have a very wide spectrum of uh, of in, of interest musically and I think a lot of it kind of came from um, where we both connect the most 
because I listen to, let's say I'll listen to a lot more rap and hip-hop, and he'll listen to a lot more rock and uh, alternative. But where we come together is electronic, so it just kind of made sense that we would kind of explore the spectrum of electronic music. And um, a lot of what made it weird was genuinely just an idea. Like, what if we just did this? Like, what if... Like, for example, the song uh, Martha, uh, Brian's dad. The idea of that song was literally just uh, his little sister coming into the room and us asking her if she wanted to freestyle and <laughs> us making a song out of that. And Oh No Ami, like, the ending of that was just, what if this dark electronic song just ended in a guitar solo? <laughs> we just made it happen. Like, it's just random ideas that just sounded funny to us in the moment. And we just went through with it, <laughs> and the end product is uh, is what you hear. <laughs> so um, onoami, so it sounds like a Japanese word. What does it What does it mean? Or is it, is it a name? Is it a place? So originally, legless lizard, his his name, his artist name was Ono, um, before uh, before anything was published um, on, on when he had SoundCloud and Bandcamp and everything. And um, but he we both still really like that name. Um, and it's actually the the three middle letters of his name, so Connor, so C O N O R, and um, when he eventually changed his name, we decided to keep that for this. And I just did the same thing. Mm. We each have five letters, so the three middle letters of my name with the three middle letters of his, and then just did Oh No, at me, and plus Oh No is like Oh No, he <laughs> sounds like a friend in French, so. <laughs> I don't know, it just seemed like the natural name, I guess. So there's been, I, mean, I don't know if you, if you tried Google translating it, it just doesn't, it's, it's not a word, you completely invented it. it. It really sounds like it should be something, like Onoami, I don't know, like the concept of uh, of a ripping guitar solo at the end of a dark synth track, <laughs> the Japanese word for that emotion. Yeah, I think part of, of Onoami. <laughs> yeah, I think the fact that it sounds like a name, like an actual word is probably what made us really... Uh, stick to it so much because it just it just sounds cool to us and people seem to like the name and it's it's memorable and easy to spell so uh, you say you do a lot of your well all of your recording and producing on an iPad then uh yeah everything I've done for the past four years has been on my iPad and last week uh, my screen stopped working very oh well. no so you can see it's very jittery. What what yeah, program do you use on the on the iPad to create? Uh, I use GarageBand. Literally, just garage. No way. Yeah, I just holy shit. Liquid mic and uh, Apple GarageBand on my iPad Mini. That's what I've been doing for the past four years. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's pretty. I really like that. This will be quite like sort of DIY and make do about that, which I think just ad absolutely adds to it and adds to the sort of the experimental sounds and the the playing around and the fuck it, let's add this. Like just play with tools. That, that's 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 kind of that's, that's the same approach I have to do, like making images. I just downloaded Snapseed and then started playing with the settings and then found, hey, if I just like completely ignore knowing what any of these do and just play with what looks good, I can just make all kinds of weird shit with like 
absolutely no effort and no skill whatsoever. It's awesome. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the end product is indistinguishable from like something you know, something produced in a studio or like with the, with on with like. Sorry, I'm I'm suggesting that you didn't put any effort in, and that's absolutely not what I meant to say. <laughs> I'm conflating my own self-deprecation with like trying to make a profound point about. I'm going to move on from this now. Um, so let's talk men friends. Uh, so men friends is a bit more and less clear cut in that it's a I want to say traditional as far as you can use the word traditional to the show, but it's a traditional sort of like hip hop duo where you have a an MC and a DJ um, and you're doing some how did that whole project come together how did you meet Ree and start collaborating yeah that was that was interesting too because it's um once again with with her uh, with Ree um her real name Becky um, Ree Becky I. Yeah, so I I met uh yeah. So I I met Becky um as well when I first arrived in Bristol. Um and so that 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 duo formed from a from a friendship as well. Um cuz we we as well shared our love of music. Uh, in fact, I even I met her um during my first week of, at Bristol um at a concert. We met at a Open Mic Eagle um oh, cool. concert in Bristol. Yeah, over time as we we learned that we both loved uh for example Caracol Benito and Death Grips and uh, as well as many other artists, uh, Tyra the Creator and Bjork and whatnot. I I have a great amount of respect for her as a as a singer and a songwriter. And she, she the same for my production, and it just kind of made sense that we'd finally collaborate and uh, make something out of that. And um, yeah, that took maybe a year, maybe a year and a half, where we just kind of recorded some bits, some demos here and there. I would, I would produce something, and then she would write along to it. Then we'd record a demo, mm. and then I'd structure out the instrumental. We would re-record her vocals. And um, at the end, once we had enough tracks, we just kind of uh, I, I, I mixed all of that stuff, and uh, we assembled the track list, did a music video, and um, yeah, that that came together pretty naturally as well. I think in some ways we kind of challenged each other even more than than Connor and I did. We we disagreed a lot throughout the process, and it pushed us to um, we we brought sides out of each other that. Uh, that I guess improved the the creative results in a lot of ways. I said, really, yeah, really interesting talking about sort of those really different kinds of creative relationships and the way it yeah, fuels sort of very very different work. They're both weird in their own ways. And I think that's what's really, really interesting that you're always managing to kind of make everything sound quite new and quite fresh. Because you speak French as well, because your partner is French. Uh, so you spent a lot of time over there as well. Yeah. Well, so actually, it goes further than that. Is um, uh, I'm actually. I'm half French. My mum is French. Right. So, growing up, um, um, I grew up in Vancouver, so it was, it was is English. Um, my dad spoke to me in English, but my mum spoke to me in French, and I actually fully went to a French school from uh, from mm. kindergarten to graduation. Uh, was all the same the same school. Um, so I am fully bilingual. I am more comfortable in English. I believe my vocabulary is a lot more uh, profoundly developed in. In English, opposed to French, um, but I am bilingual, and um, yeah, I, I I've had a lot of fun kind of integrating that into my music and uh, trying to spread my horizons and uh, write in French as well, even if nobody can understand what it means. <laughs> I still uh, I have a fun time doing that, and some people even seem to think that uh, I have a better tone of voice when I when I am rapping or or singing in in French too. So, I don't know, the reception. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know about better, but definitely like certainly very very different. Um, I can't think of the track on self service. There's a verse you start with like out in the club and the music's far too loud or something like that. There's like a, a real difference between the sort of you're talking like I guess you're also sort of performing to what the words are, but there is more of a sort of an anxious and vulnerable um, I guess what um, introspective voice in there. Um, well, obviously coming from understanding the lyrics of that as opposed to not actually knowing what you're talking about when you're <laughs> rapping French, but there is something much more aggressive about your French style. How do you make the decision when writing lyrics? Does the does the content come before the language choice, or do you decide, I'm going to write a verse in French before you've decided that that's what the verse is going to be about? How do you How do you switch between the two? I think it does depend on the content. I think it's... Um... Like it depends on some songs. Like for example, Échappé, um, the song off Self Service, where where uh, I did that, I did my part entirely in French. Um, the subject matter kind of touched upon um, feelings and thoughts that I, I I've had towards my mum's side of the family. So it only felt natural to me to uh, I guess express that in my mother's tongue. And some other songs, like off of my solo album Tears, like. Uh, I have a song called Family where I, I have a message towards my mum and a message towards my dad. So I, I split between French and English on that. Another song as well called Le Deluge, that one's entirely in French. And that's kind of about wandering around and feeling lost and finding my identity. And being French was, was a big part of that process of finding my identity and traveling. Uh, spending time in France and meeting my family uh, a lot for the first time. It just kind of came naturally, I guess, to me. I, I think most of the time I find myself writing in English, but every now and then the, the subject matter kind of calls for a change on that. And uh, I'm hoping to do a bit more of that in the future, perhaps. <laughs> do you find a difference in how you think and how you how you relate to yourself and do you find you maybe express yourself as a slightly different persona between the two languages? I, I speak a fair bit of German and I'm... As, as, I've, as I've gotten better with it, I, I find quite interesting that I wouldn't say I completely become another person. Like, I think there's always some interesting differences. I'm wondering how you find this. And, um, I guess it's like relating to the way that it, it changes the way you write. Do you feel um, like you like you conceptualize things differently between English and French? Um, that's interesting. Um, I think for a long time it probably would have been more different. Uh, it still is different. But I think, uh, as you've mentioned, my, my partner being French, I think has kind of um, made the two worlds converge more and more. Because now French is not just limited to uh, my, my mother and uh, her side of the family. It's also in my everyday life. I speak mm. French. I guess at this point I could say I even speak French more regularly than English now. Because mm. um, I'm always with her. Um, and you'll speak French together yeah, exclusively. Yeah. Exclusively, except when other people are around and mm. who only speak English. But um, yeah, and so she's she's helped me a lot build confidence in um, mm. you know, building my vocabulary and uh, improving my uh, um, uh, improving just the way I speak it, the 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 ease at which I express myself. Cause I sometimes I tend to hesitate and I translate in my head before I say something, but um. I think seeing as I do associate it a bit more with my, my mother tongue, I think maybe maybe to an extent it has kind of brought like a certain personality in my music where I, I am almost uh, a bit harsher, maybe, a bit more direct and maybe aggressive in a lot of my, my lyrics uh, and, and my, my tone when in French. I think I just kind of associate that with kind of coming out of my comfort zone and kind of uh, 
coming from a, a perspective of, um, I'll say, of, uh, of more assertiveness, we'll say. <laughs> Um, is it in a in a critical way or or more in like a like a straight talking way? Maybe in a critical way in some ways. I think kind of like an over it's almost like a hyperbole of certain elements of what what uh, maybe inspires me in like uh, in my in my mother or uh, other French people I know. I think there's some elements of that that I'll kind of take and just blow out to make this this persona. As, um, maybe like a ferocity rather than like a yeah. harshness. Yeah. Yeah, I find myself very inspired by someone like, for example, Kendrick Lamar, who always has many different voices when he makes music. And I, I really want to do that sort of thing where I have a different voice, a different tone for a different type of subject or um, emotion that I'm trying to convey. So I think my French voice, that's that's one of those things that I've set aside for that subject. So it's, yeah, I'm still developing it, but... um. That's sort of the process behind it. Hmm. Um, so, uh, just to sort of change tracks, I guess kind of, not too much. So, um, when did you first come to the UK and was it to study? What, what prompted you to leave Canada? Uh, I wanted to leave Canada because I just, I wanted to learn about the world, about myself. I wanted to discover things and meet people and, uh, yeah, I wanted to see things that I could never see by staying in my own city. Why the UK, then? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's funny because originally the plan when I was going to leave Canada, so I, I actually left to go to New Zealand. The plan oh, was right. that I was going to go to New Zealand for six months and then just come back. Um but in New Zealand, I actually I met many many Brits, um, many people from from the UK, and uh, I I started to kind of fall in love with um, with uh, yeah with the idea of what it was and uh, the culture, the accent, the music, the like. I genuinely I, I I was very very interested. I'd never been to the UK before, and um, so from New Zealand, I just kind of uh, I did Australia after for a month. But I figured I'm not going to come back home. I, so I, I went to the UK, and um, after 10 months in Oceania, spent a year and a half there, then a year in France, and now I'm back here. And, so straight um, to Bristol then? Uh, straight to London from okay. Australia. I went to London, and then I very nearly went straight to Bristol, basically, from there. like I Knowing I was coming to, to England, I had researched... Uh, the cities around and uh, Bristol just interested me like right off the bat mm. just from photos and history and uh, the music that comes out of there the street art and everything and I came there and it was exactly what I wanted like <laughs> big art sub yeah exactly like I do love London a, a lot as well in, in, in other ways but um, I think Bristol feels more tightly knit in a lot of ways mm. um, and yeah so I, I mean I left the UK for France I regretted it. I regret <laughs> spending my year in France, and so I came back. I, I really miss the UK. Like I love I love this country. It's, this is my second home. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so let's let's talk Vancouver then. And like so, growing up in Vancouver, what are, what are some of your uh, what what's some of your like your music inheritance? What's your early music history? It's interesting. My relationship with music is still kind of um, at least to me, it feels almost kind of recent because um. Like obviously, I grew up with music around, but it was never something that I was passionate about until my teens. Mm. Um, like my dad would play a lot of uh, he would play a lot of rap, 
a lot of like funk and uh later on it'd play like some some electronic music some EDM and my mom would play like a lot of new wave a lot of alternative a bit of like low key pop I think it was about like 2013 where I started really getting into music this all would stem from Daft Punk honestly like mm. Daft Punk was the first artist well duo that I really got into like I just fell in love with uh, their album Discovery it was literally my discovery of music <laughs> from there it's it's just been a very long gradual process of just like everything exponentially stemming from that like Daft Punk bringing electronic music some pop some disco you know some funk and uh, you know samples of that going into I don't know Kanye West sampling stronger and uh, going into rap going into pop rap hardcore rap and rock electronic it's it's just been like branching off and to the point where now uh, for the past seven years i've just i'm constantly challenged my challenging myself and my taste and uh, i'll listen to like maybe half a dozen new albums every week i constantly rotate my library and um, just love expanding and listening to what other people are listening to getting opinions and uh finding what i don't like and do like and I just love music. I'm very passionate about it. And I want to listen to... If I could, I'd listen to every song possible. If I really could, <laughs> but I know I can't. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> awesome. So, why electronic music? What is it about... Why, why do you choose to express yourself electronically? And what do you think that like is particularly... What, what do you find particularly engaging about it as well? Like What, what draws to you to other electronic producers? I guess the probably the number one thing, like what you mentioned earlier, was kind of the uh, the aspect of uh, the accessibility of it. Mm. You know, the regardless of any limitations, you know, I'm, a, I'm able to make electronic music on just an iPad. You know, it's kind of different with, we'll say, like rock music, for example. I would need to have a guitar, which I know is expensive and big and heavy, which is totally fine, but seeing as I've been moving around a lot, I've had to make do with my restrictions. And I think my music tastes have definitely revolved a lot around what I know I could make. And I think the number one thing that I tend to usually tie everything back to is, is I guess, the synthetic aspect, the digital aspect. You know, rap, you could produce rap uh, beats digitally, make electronic music digitally, EDM, you could make a synth wave digitally. Um, but I guess instruments seeing as I haven't been able to get into learning how to play them, um, I don't connect to them as much as I, as I would other things, aside from the piano. The piano is something you can do digitally. Um, mm. So I, I think it's really that. I think it's accessibility. If I was rich, and if I was stable right now, geographically, <laughs> I would definitely have a load of instruments, and I'd love to learn how to play them. I'd play the guitar, I'd learn more about the piano, and you know, probably some horns. But I don't have that right now, so I've settled for this, and I there's more than enough music to discover and to make through this uh, genre. So, mm. so with the uh, with creating on iPad, do you do you think it feels does it feel more like playing an instrument or more like composing? I think basically everything I do, even outside of music, just everything creatively is literally just experimenting and improvising, like. So like playing I, an instrument then, I guess, would be the... It's, it's, it's playing. It's play. Sure, yeah. Yeah, it's basically just fiddling around and playing it by ear. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not technically 
or uh, theoretically trained in anything creatively. I hated music class in school. Like I, I don't know anything. I don't I don't know how to read notes or or, or anything like that. Um, so it's yeah, it's really just. I guess my biggest thing is sampling. I love just taking a piece of like a YouTube video of a recording of mine of a song I love and just seeing what comes out of it. It's just so unpredictable. Like even like Ono oh Ami is is like the holy grail of that for for me in terms of a project that I've been involved in is like it's it's just the amalgamation of of sampling. Because it's just obscure videos on YouTube, songs we love, recordings of guitars and recordings of us just like making noise with pots and pans and our voices. Like I love that aspect of it. I, I never know what's going to come out of it, and uh, when I like it, I like it. <laughs> um, just sort to expand on that a little bit. Do you ever set aside time to go looking for samples? Do you go looking for particular sounds? Do you find things just day to day and then like sort of save it away and go, I'm going to use that later? I like to keep a, a library of samples. So like, because I, I spend a lot of time on YouTube. There's one site or program that I spent a lot of time on, it's YouTube. I grew up on YouTube. I've been on it for over a decade, 100%. I go on it every day. And um, when I find videos that I like, especially short ones, I'll just export it into an MP3 file and um, I'll maybe use it later. I just have a massive log of just various sounds. And um, sometimes it makes utter trite of a sound. <laughs> and sometimes it makes gold. I never know, and that's kind of the beauty of it. Occasionally, it's also like I'll hear a song, and I'll be like, this section here deserves to be made into a beat. Maybe I'm looking for one specific sound, like a metallic clang. I'm like, ah, I might as well just start hitting my pot with like a fork and see what that does. A lot of things don't make a final cut. But something, for example, like Gono Ami is, um, we kind of fell in love through the process of making it with certain samples and certain videos. And some things, like no matter how long it took for us to integrate it, we kind of, we just had to. Like, like one example is like Crazy Frog is on Ono Ami. You won't be able to hear it. You, you won't know where it is. What part is it? A, is it a bing bing? Is it a bar bar? Is it a yeah, rip, it's, rip, ring? It's like a ringing bing 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 bam bar, but it's like pitched down all the way and like distorted, and it's made into a bass. I I dare you to find where it is, but that was one example of like. We had to integrate Crazy Frog somehow into here. Absolutely. And there you go. Because we called the album Zoo because the, the I guess the running theme is that every song has at least one sound of an animal. And Crazy Frog to us is classified as an animal. So <laughs> he belongs there. <laughs> we all forget that our, our virgin eyes were seeing a frog penis on television going bing bing ba. Like, we for, <laughs> we, nobody talks about it. But we were exposed to this. <laughs> And also, there was there was a threat of a of a big twenty twenty comeback. Did that materialize? There was a was it just a meme? Um, no, it's it seems legitimate. They've promoted um, some potential new content on on the Crazy Frog Vivo channel. It seems like they're revving up for a new album potentially next they're year. Re re revving up for more yeah, Crazy Frog. Yeah, literally revving it up. Yeah, they're gonna cover more eighties classics. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to ruin Crazy. some more music for us. <laughs> Blue Monday. <laughs> I would not I would not be surprised, to be honest. I, I, if, if they don't do it, I will. I'll, I'll just I'll just make Crazy Frog noises. You know what? I might, I might just do a whole EP of me doing bad Crazy Frog noises over, over sort of like new wave and post-punk backing tracks. Yeah, have a new name. Just be Insane Toad or something. <laughs> Froggy. Mentally ill... 
uh, amphibian. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that might be a little bit too real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you when you released the first album, um, did you also start playing live around that time? Had you been playing live before that, and was this in Vancouver, or had you started traveling uh, before you started making music? Um, so my first, so my first album. Um, so it's it's not on any streaming services. It's exclusively on Bandcamp. But um, oh, right, it's okay. nothing. Um, but that is I've released all my solo albums every two years on Halloween. So this was Halloween 2015. Um, I left 2016. So when I first made that album, I'd released albums previously uh, that were literally I I did not do any filter. <laughs> it's just. I would release all the songs I made in order, and uh, I'd release just al- like three albums, I think one after another. Then I got rid of those, and nothing was kind of my way of like um, moving on from that and actually working hard on, on the quality and everything. Uh, after that, I made uh, Ducks, which then I, got, I re-released as Redux, um, a remastered version. I think at that point, I figured my production was probably good enough to start focusing on doing vocals. I feel like performing without vocals, I feel like it, it wouldn't be as engaging, at least for me. I've, I've seen some producers live and they do it super well, but I, I don't feel like I'm equipped to it. And I had some stories to tell that I'd wanted to tell for years that I've just kind of built up, some opinions, some feelings of things. And um, Ideally, I'm a producer first, so I, I like working with vocalists. You know, like working with Ree, for example, and doing Men Friends, kind of taking more of a step back. But as I stopped kind of depending on the idea of that somebody else telling my stories, figured, like, I might as well start it. I might as well start rapping and writing and uh, eventually maybe singing. Yeah, and as I started doing it, still not fully comfortable as, uh, as I am uh, the producer, I've started really enjoying it. And I think after I knew I could perform... Uh, on a recording, performing live, just kind of something that uh, felt like it would it would come naturally. Doing the live gigs as men friends, one of which being a uh, thanks to you, like absolutely blew away all my expectations. It was really high energy, and I hope you guys get back to being able to do some more of that at some point because yeah, there's something really special there between the two of you. Thank you. Yeah, it's. I'm, I mean, I'm glad I had the opportunity to uh, be a part of that and to finally try it because I had zero experience. Uh, I think your set was the second or third show I had done. Like I was still a newbie. Like I had mm. had been like one month or two months ago that I did my first show. I mean I still am a newbie but like <laughs> yeah it made me realize like I could, I could actually do this especially with like a good friend and somebody that I have good chemistry with and we make good music together. Like it's opened my eyes to realize that I, I could perform live. Uh, the live shows as well as jam night um, mm. that I would do in Bristol with, um, with the Connor, Nick's Lizard um, at the Old England. He oh, got right. me into that. I wasn't performing vocally there, mm. but I was playing with my iPad a bit uh, live, throwing in samples and drums, and uh, that was a very important uh, part of the process as well, of getting confidence to be on stage in front of people. What, what sort of influences like do you think there are in your music beyond other musicians so and you, you've mentioned that you work on music videos and you're into drawing and photography um would you say that also feeds into the work you do musically as well are there maybe sort of concepts of art that you like exploring yeah yeah i would say so like i think i'd like to think that at least a lot of the time um creatively i'm, I'm pretty ambitious you know whether or not the execution is always going to be 
good is, is, is another story, but I, I definitely am always trying to try something new or improve on what I already have and do the best that I can in the moment, even if it's not the best that can be done overall. And uh, other art forms and integrating into my music is definitely the case as well. Like I, When I'm making music, I do often imagine like visuals that go with it. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. And um, like there is, there is sort of a sense of um, when I form my track lists for uh, more so for like my solo albums, um, seeing as that's that's me has creative control entirely. I, I'm very passionate about films, and I do kind of think of how the pacing and how the structure would be in terms of kind of separating things into different acts, like tears and and, and Redux and nothing. I've all been separated into different acts that have like different maybe different moods, different emotions, different uh, styles of music, and I think yeah, part of that definitely stems from my my passion for cinema. Because if, if there's one thing that comes close second to music in terms of my creative passion, it is film. Especially lately, <laughs> being in self-isolation and stuff. My, my girlfriend and I, we some nights we just watch like three films mm. in a row. We, we love it. Uh, so I am always keeping that in mind when I'm making music. Mm. What sort of films have you been watching lately? What, what, do you, what, what are you into? Like, like a, a broad range of genres? Do you have any particular interests like particular eras or countries or directors or well i think if i was to tie this back like i always say that my equivalent to what daft punk was to me in my music was um even though i'm sure most people would say this and the same way they say about daft punk is um pulp fiction got me into films right. i know a lot of people rave about pulp fiction some people love to hate it because of just how many people love it but i genuinely love it it made me fall in love with the film for the first time it, it mm. I realized that movies could be done in a different way and um, that I don't have to rely on just watching uh, what's just coming out in the cinema right now. You know, it's like mm. I developed a deep love for like cult classic films um, and then kind of more into obscure films and then 80s, 90s. And I wanted to go back in time and um, explore older eras, like pre my birth era mm. movies. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I would say Tarantino is definitely a big inspiration. Uh, Wes Anderson, I really love. Um, my favorite movie of his being The Royal Tenenbaums. Mm. The Coen Brothers, I love The Big Lebowski. Um, I love Scorsese, Stanley Kubrick. I love Miyazaki, just all the Ghibli films. Mm, um, oh, yeah. Animated films, Pixar, whatever, like uh, Guy Ritchie. Uh, I could go on, but like I... <laughs> I, I love a lot of and like it doesn't just stay to live action. I, I love animations. I love cartoons. I love watching cartoons still to this day. And I love watching bad things too. I'm very passionate about watching bad movies. I Oh god, yeah. I do not uh I think the worst thing that a film could do is to not be entertaining. And if it's so bad it's entertaining, honestly that's worth something to me. <laughs> Have you ever seen Food Fight? Yeah. <laughs> I only discovered that this lockdown, it. but whole boy, that it had the budget that it did, and that it looks the way it does, and that it's got Charlie Sheen and fucking, um, what's Hillary his face? Duff. Dot Brown. And Hilary Duff and, and Dot Brown from, uh, from Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah, Christopher Lloyd, yeah. Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, what a what a bizarre piece of cinema. I'm so glad it exists. Like <laughs> Yeah. What a cultural well, phenomenon. I don't know if you know this, but 
the massive reason why it has such a large budget is because the film was originally supposed to come out in like 2001 mm, or something. And it didn't come out until like 2012. Yeah. Because the director had no idea what he was doing. No, it's even deeper than that. It's worse than that, actually. Oh, it's, really? Uh, <laughs> the, uh, somebody started a fire and burnt down the studio, and they burnt down... They, they lost all the footage, oh, everything shit. they had. So they actually, at that point, they're like, we already put in so much budget to have the film basically done. You know, we're not going to not release it and not make any profits. So they <laughs> they still, they really stammered, and they, they eventually made the film anyways. And so it, well, that's why it looks so dated is because it just, it's, it's supposed it to have look dated. Of... It just looks horrible. It's, it, it looks like it was made in source, like filmmaker. It's like, it's, almost, yeah. it's like when people take the Team Fortress 2 characters and try, like, what's that weasel character doing? You just, if you've not seen Food Fight, you've got to go, that's your, that's your homework for this week is to, in between this and the next podcast, uh, you can find it, uh, you can find it all over the internet. Uh, I'm not going to tell you where to where to steal films. That would be immoral of me. But uh, I'm sure you can find a, a DVD copy somewhere on uh, online, or you know, a, a digital copy. It's it worth have a much worth to it. So you'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you have seen the room by now. Uh, I've seen it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen it live, like with Tommy I'm and no, Greg? I'm no, I'm not. I, a load of my friends went, and then I can't remember why I didn't go. I think I, I think it was while I was still abroad, or I had something else on. But yeah, no. Like a load of my mates went, but like I didn't go. I, <laughs> once everything restarts, once everything's open up and travel's happening, go to London, go to Prince Charles Cinema, see it live. It is an experience. I've done it twice, I think, maybe three times. Yeah. I had a nice, good, like, hour-long chat with uh, Greg Sestero afterwards. And uh, so. so, the Human Beehive. What was the inception for that? Where did you first get the idea to do the Human Beehive? It was a very gradual process of... Um, I'm a creative person, and uh, I value the people around me. I I constantly am surrounded by very equally, uh, if not more, creative people. And um, I think as I've traveled, as I've grown up, and I've I've met all these people, I've just kind of um, I've just kind of wondered like what the what can I do to kind of assemble all this together, like. Um, how how can I bring all these creative people together? And I just couldn't think of how. It was just it was always on the back of my mind. I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, I was thinking about like some collectives, like uh, I don't know, like Odd Future, for example, because mm. I I love Tyler the Creator. He's one of my biggest inspirations. And although Odd Future isn't really alive today, um, the idea of it inspired me, as well as many other, you know, Wu Tang Clan or. You know, a lot of rap stuff as well as um, mm. uh, above that. Um, but yeah, thinking about it, I think collective just seemed to be the thing that um, made the most sense. And I think I just had to kind of conceive like how, okay, now I have an idea of a collective. How does that work? And then a website, like the basis of all this, the concrete thing that you can actually see and visit that assembles everything officially is is the website and um, so yeah I, I had an idea I had a vision of how I wanted it to be laid out uh, what kind of pages I wanted it to, to, to be involved and um, yeah I just kind of searched found Weebly founded the site and just started asking my friends my, my very close friends 
uh, asked them at first to see if they would be all on board. They all were, and then I just kind of expanded past, and, uh, you know, I asked you, uh, I asked other people I've met at live gigs, other people I've met throughout the years in New Zealand and UK and France, and, um, yeah, and, and I've just been gradually expanding from there. We're now, I believe we are 18 strong, and, awesome. um, Still a few more people who I'm still sorting out some pages for, but um, I finally have what I've thought I've been thinking about for so long, and it's uh, just what do I do with this? And uh, fortunately, uh, you had the bright idea of coming up with um, uh, I stole that. I absolutely just I just stole that from Echo World, like from the Beatsphere group. They just did a oh hey here's a sample. I thought God that's easy. And this, like, it, I, just, I just thought just completely selfishly, this gave me a kick up the arse to just get out and, like, create something actually, to start just putting the dumb shit I'm making online. Don't worry about releasing tracks, but just just put. I say that I'm now also, I'm, I'm kind of slyly releasing a noise EP just to, A, have put something out on Spotify and iTunes. And it's going on TikTok, which is mad. I don't even use TikTok, but I just <laughs> love the fact that I'm putting like 18 minutes of harsh noise onto TikTok and I hope that maybe yeah. I can com- convince some, I don't know, some 19 year old TikTokers to do like dances to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah You never know it's, I guess it's the distributor, right? Like it includes TikTok in yeah, it, right? Yeah, it includes TikTok as well as yeah, like yeah. Tidal and you know, Deez or whatever that is You'd be surprised if you, if you give the song if you give some of these songs the right title, uh, like one of my songs, "Family," it's it's family, but it's just spelt without the i intentionally. Um, family. But because of that, a lot of people, uh, especially in India, um, I guess, figured that it was spelt without the i and searched just family like that, and that was the only result. So like you Sweet. could find maybe. Like six TikTokers, Indian TikTokers, just dancing to that song, the instrumental. Nice. Very odd. It's a very surreal thing to see, <laughs> but it exists. So maybe, maybe yours might be the same. <laughs> what are your What are your plans then? You've You've got this. You've got your collective of creatives, and we're we're sort of we're, we're starting to put out sounds and work together. What, what What sort of things would you like to to come out of the of the collective? And do you have any? Any idea of where you see it like progressing into the future? Maybe like, can you see yourself doing something like setting up a label, running promotions? Um, could you see us? I don't know. Running? <laughs> would you ever want to do a live gig? I mean, it'd be quite difficult with the international roster of artists. Would there be a way to a massive eighteen act all day a hive live live from the hive? You, you, yeah, you, know, like, you could have to, We could do a live stream. That is true. That is a. It's not a bad idea. Um, I was the age of live streams, but uh, well, yeah, that's sorry, that's me answering the question for you. What 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 are your plans? What do you what do you want from it? Yeah, I mean already, uh, I'm liking the start of you know like, thanks to you of the, uh, the the monthly, um, theme ideas. Um, um, what was it? The the honey pots, as as we call them. Um, I'm glad that that's already started. So already. I'm happy with that beginning of having music, videos, uh, drawings, all all converging into um, you know like a group project that then be made into like a collage, for example. Um, but for like long term, once 
this keeps going, people are involved, people are, are being really receptive to it, and perhaps maybe eventually become something more profitable that I could then put the money back into the collective and projects. Um, record label is definitely something I would like to do down the line. Um, I don't know if it would happen, but if it, even if it takes 10 years, I think it's something I'd like to do eventually. If I go even further than that, I do kind of have a, I do kind of envision like a international sort of chain of, of, of community centers in a sense, kind of give opportunities to, to artists, especially young artists who maybe don't have the means to, uh, get certain equipment or maybe um, just need other people around uh, for creative inspiration and for motivation. Um, once again, this is something that might never happen, but if I'm able to afford it and have the right connections um, to it, I, I would really love to make a positive change for people and, and to, to motivate people to reach a creative potential, because that's Ultimately, what it comes down to as well as assembling all these artists is um, these are all people who I see potential in, and uh, I, I see creative people in, in you and in, uh, you know, Legless Lizard and Ree. Like, I see incredibly talented and skilled uh, people, and I just want to try to help nurture that uh, as much as I can by giving them a platform, giving them support and uh, giving them some some projects to be motivated for so awesome. I'll start from there and see where it takes us I guess so just to, to round things off I like to put my guests on the spot to give me uh, a piece of wisdom as you know that this is a we're, we, we are a folk band this is a, a folk bands podcast so to our listening audience of old white crusty folk <laughs> fans who are uh, might call all electronic music techno and think it's all boring and repetitive. Uh, you've got 10 seconds to give them a, a reason to listen to electronic music. Go. Why electronic music? Why should they Why should they care? Why is it not a waste of time and boring? I think if you're a creative person, if you're, if you're a musician and you want to improve your craft, I think it's always best to uh, expand your taste because um, even if you might not make electronic music as a folk artists like there is so much to take from electronic music and to interpolate in your own way in your own genre and vice versa of course like as an electronic producer there's a lot to take from folk um i think it's best to just try a bit of everything and to uh be open-minded there's a lot to learn from from the world 